The reading is taken from 1 Corinthians 29, verses 10 to 20. David's Prayer. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power, and the glory and the majesty and the splendor, for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight, as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. That Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have willingly and with honest, in, given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Lord, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. And give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, statutes, and decrees, and do everything to build the palatial structure for which I have provided. Then David said to the whole assembly, Praise the Lord your God. So they all praised the Lord, the God of their fathers. They bowed down, prostrating themselves before the Lord and the King. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. It's great to be here with you this morning. At the heart of God is generosity, extravagant, abundant, lavish generosity. And in my family, we've experienced this incredible generosity of God over the years, both in the little things and in the small things. On Wednesday, when I was thinking and praying about this talk, I went to the hairdressers. And one of the things about my hairdresser, which is so brilliant, is that they offer you homemade cake with your coffee. And 
my hairdresser, Sam, said to me, would you like a lemon drizzle cake or a cheese scone? But she said, the only thing is it's late in the afternoon and we might have run out. And I really wanted a cheese scone. And so we went over together to look and there was the plate and there was one cheese scone in the middle. And I told Sam that I was going to speak this morning about the generosity of God. And I said, that was a sign of his kindness to me. That was a very little thing. But sometimes we go through the the tougher things of life. And that brings into sharp focus how incredibly generous God is. In 2005, 2006, when I was coming to the end of my curacy in London, and my husband, Oliver, was diagnosed with very, very bad cancer, and he had to have a major operation. And it was a tough time for both of us. And when I came to the end of my curacy, I decided not to go straight into another post. But uh, we took a sabbatical for six months, and we traveled up through um, South America into the west coast of North America. And throughout that time, God was so close to us. And we experienced his lavish generosity again and again. We spent time with a missionary in Lima in Peru. We spent time in a, a church in Seattle up in Washington State. And again and again, we experienced this lavish generosity of God. And, and looking back, God was also preparing us um, for our next move, which was to Coventry, where I led a church plant. So this morning, we're going to look at this generous heart of God and see how he's calling us to respond to his generosity. And we're going to begin by looking at the background to our reading in 1 Corinthians 28. Corinthians, Chronicles 28. Haven't just quickly got into the New Testament So King David is coming to the end of his life, and he summons Israel's leaders and his sons. And he tells tells them that he's got it in his heart to build a temple for the Lord in Jerusalem. But God had said to him that he couldn't build it because he was a warrior and he'd shed blood. And God said to David that he'd chosen his son Solomon to be the next king, and it was Solomon who would build the temple. So at the beginning of chapter 9, the chapter our reading is in, we see David, and he's summoned now the, the entire assembly, all the people, not just the leaders, not just his sons, the entire people. And he's speaking to them, and he explains that Solomon's been chosen to build the the temple. But he says, my son Solomon is young and he's inexperienced. And the task of building the temple is very great. And it would take huge resources to get it built. And David leads the way, as a good leader should, and says that he's given vast quantities of gold and silver towards the building of the temple. But it's clear that more funds are going to be needed. But at this point, David doesn't launch into a request for funds. He doesn't say, I've done my bit, now what about you? How much money are you willing to give? David asks the people a question that's far more searching. In 29.5, he says, 
Who is willing to consecrate himself today to the Lord? Who is willing to consecrate himself today to the Lord? Are you willing to give yourselves, your whole selves, to the Lord? Are you all in? Are you willing to devote everything you are and everything you have to God? Now, the writer of Chronicles tells us that the leaders of the community responded with great generosity and they willingly gave themselves vast quantities of gold and silver and precious stones. And it was this action that was show, showed what was on their hearts. They were all in. And there was great rejoicing amongst all the people gathered there that their leaders had willingly and wholeheartedly responded. And David joined in with the rejoicing. And then he prayed this prayer, which is our reading. And I'd like to look at this prayer and focus in on three things. Firstly, the generous heart of God. Secondly, the response of our hearts. And thirdly, hearts of perseverance and praise. So firstly, the generous heart of God. If you've got your Bibles open, as we look at David's prayer, his heart is bursting with praise. So he, from verse 10, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Now, many of us are going to be familiar with some of these verses because they've been incorporated into the Anglican liturgy. David knew that everything, absolutely everything in heaven and earth belongs to God. So he can say in verse 11, everything in heaven and earth is yours. And David also knew that he and his people, everything they had was given to them by God. They could only give out of what he'd already given them. So he says in verse 14, everything comes from you. And we've only given you, we've given you only what comes from your hand. God does not give grudgingly or stingily. God is a God of abundance. So in verse 16, David can say, Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for a building for you, for the building for the temple, for your holy name, comes from your hand and all of it belongs to you. And we see this extravagant generosity of God running as a theme throughout the whole Bible. We see it at the beginning in Genesis when God provided this amazing creation. And the writer tells us he placed gold and precious stones in the ground. And we see this extravagant generosity continuing through the Old Testament. And we see it in the New Testament. I love the way in John 2 when the gospel writer is talking about the wedding at Cana and the wine is about to run out to the very awful embarrassment it would have been for the family. And 
Jesus could have provided just enough wine. He could have provided the same quality of local wine that they had been drinking already. But Jesus turns vast quantities of water into wine, and he provides the best of wines. And the Gospel writer John tells us that this miracle of extraordinary generosity showed God's glory. It revealed the character of God. And we see this generous heart of God in, in Paul's letters. So in 1 Timothy 6.17, when Paul tells Timothy how richly God provides everything for our enjoyment. I became a Christian when we moved from our house in the country to London just over 20 years ago. And our children started, our girls started at a new school. And I met another mother called Andy Irvin. And she, it turned out that she was a vicar's wife. And it was through her that I came to know Jesus. And when we moved to London, we lived in a tiny, a minute flat for two years while we were looking for a house. And then when we found a house, it needed a huge amount of building work to it. And we finally moved into our house. And I invited Andy round for a coffee and to show her round our new house. And I can remember, as I showed her round, sort of seeing what she was thinking. She didn't say anything, but I knew she was thinking, oh, this is going to be great for the church. You know, as she looked at my kitchen, she was thinking, oh, all the people who could come here for meals. And as she looked at our sitting room, she was thinking, oh, this would be great for a Bible study group, you know, for a home group. And as she looked at our bedrooms, she was thinking, well, these are going to be great for people to stay in. And, and I've, I'd only been a Christian for a few months, and um, I found it amusing, amusing. She didn't say anything. I could sort of read what she was thinking. Um, and it was later that God showed me that this house was his gift for us to enjoy, but he'd also given it to us as stewards for other people to come in and enjoy it too. David knew that everything we have is a gift from God. So what about us? What about our hearts? So secondly, I want to look at the response of our hearts to this amazing generosity of God. God looks at our hearts to see if he can trust us with the things he wants to lavish on us. So David prays in 29.17, I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. David can stand before our God and rejoice that when God searches their hearts, he will see their devotion of him is not just expressed in what they say, it's not just in what they sing in their worship songs or their hymns. Their devotion has been expressed in their actions, in their extraordinarily generous giving. And there's something about our attitude to our possessions, something about our attitude to money that, that reveals what's going on in our hearts. What we believe in our hearts leads to 
our actions. If we believe in our hearts that God is generous and that God will richly provide everything for our enjoyment, then we'll be set free, set free to be generous ourselves. Now, if you read through the Gospels, you'll find that Jesus talks a lot about money and our attitude to money, an awful lot. There's so many examples. But I just want to look briefly at Luke 2, because it's a story that most of us know really well. Jesus is asked to settle an inheritance dispute between two sons, two brothers, sorry, two brothers. And Jesus is interested in the attitudes that lie behind the dispute. And Jesus says in 12.15, Luke 12.15, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A person's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And Jesus tells a story to drive his point home. And he imagines a man, a rich man, a farmer. And one year he has an incredibly good crop, a good harvest. And he can't fit all the grain in his barns, so he builds bigger barns. The man wants to keep the fortune for himself and provide for a comfortable life for many years to come. But most of us know this story. God says, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. All his plans to lead a comfortable, wealthy life come to nothing. And Jesus says, life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. But our society, our culture says, yes, it does. Life is about the clothes you wear, the car you drive, the house you live in, the holidays you take, the phone you use. And this message plays over in our our heads like a tape that goes round and round and round. And we can't escape it. It's on the TV, it's in the advertisements, it's in the shops, it's in our conversations, it's in the newspapers, and it's in our celebrity culture. And it's a message that we tell each other in many ways. And we can find ourselves getting our security and our self-worth from our money and our possessions and the lifestyle they can bring. And Jesus speaks about how people worry about what they're going to eat and what they're going to drink if they don't store up wealth for themselves. And Jesus says, don't have this sort of attitude. And he gives them his investment advice, which is for us. In Luke 12, 31, seek his kingdom, seek God's kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Jesus says, if we seek God's kingdom, God will provide for all our material needs. Seeking God's kingdom is about inviting Jesus into our lives and letting him be king. It's about seeking Jesus' priorities in every area of our lives. Jesus is our king, and it's in his very nature to be generous. God loves to provide for his people, and he wants to transform us by the power of his Holy Spirit to be just like him, 
to have generous hearts. And the way we cooperate with him is to look at where we're investing all the things he's given us now. And the extraordinary thing is that the way we live our lives now has consequences for all eternity. And we can store up eternal treasure to enjoy in our life with Jesus. This is going to involve looking at how we use our money and our possessions. It's going to involve inviting Jesus into our finances and our priorities. It's going to involve giving to the poor, giving to the church. But it's not just about that. Being rich towards God is going to involve all our resources, our time, our energy, our gifts, our passions, everything that we are. So it might be good to ask ourselves this morning, how are my investments doing? Where have I been investing my time, my energy, my creativity, my gifts, my money? So we've looked at the generous heart of God. We've looked at the response of our hearts. And, and lastly, I want to look at hearts of perseverance and praise. David celebrates in his prayer how willingly the people have given to this work to build the temple. But David knows how we can start well, but we can give up. And he speaks into perseverance. So he prays in 2918 that this generosity of heart would continue. Lord, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. We all need the constant help of God and the work of the Holy Spirit in us to persevere and grow in every area of our life, including our giving. I can remember when I was training for ordination, I um, was placed in a, what they call a placement church. And I can remember hearing a, a sermon, a talk on giving. It was a very good talk, actually. But I was absolutely shocked <laughs> because the vicar said that it was only on doing, preparing the talk that he realized or remembered that he wasn't yet giving to the church. I'm not quite sure how long he'd been there, but he wasn't actually himself giving to the church. And I remember being really shocked. And then I was given this passage to preach on for today. And my, um, my husband Oliver and I have been, since we left our last church, we've been discussing um, actually are giving over a whole, whole range of things, not just to the church, but, but other things that uh, we give to, and, and how we want to alter things. And we've talked about it, but we haven't put it into action. So, so this, doing this talk has made me, actually, where we've, we've sort of put it, put, it, uh, put it into practice. So what about you? I mean, just is this season of talks um, on stewardship a time, it's a good time to just review in different areas of your life your giving. So after David had prayed his wonderful prayer, he called on all the people to join together and worship God. So in verse 29, 20, so they all praised the Lord, the God of their fathers. They bowed down, prostrating themselves before the Lord and the king. 
And the next day, they offered, they had a great celebration. They offered sacrifices. And then we're told in 29, 22, they ate and drank with great joy in the presence of the Lord that day. The generosity of God is something to celebrate. The Lord is incredibly generous to us. His generosity is extravagant, it's abundant, it is lavish. And everything we have is a gift from God. So as we've looked this morning at the generous heart of God, we've looked at the response of our hearts, and we've looked at that call to persevere and to praise and celebrate. I'd like to end by asking David's question to the people gathered in Jerusalem. Are you willing to consecrate yourselves to the Lord? Are you all in?